Hallelujah. I want now to talk about this. Now, listen very carefully. It's part of the wise virgins, but another subtopic. The storm, whatever you want to call it, right? He says this. When you look at the Bible, and if you want to understand the behavior that helped the wise virgins in the parable, and that church is still on the earth here, prophecy not yet fulfilled, then you need to go a little wider. So if you look at the Bible, you find somewhere in the Bible again, the Bible refers to wise and foolish. And that is in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24-28. The storm warning. In that scripture you hear the following. You will hear the Lord again characterizing a certain group of people as wise and others as foolish. And as he characterizes that, he says, whoever hears the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus, listens to them. That's number one. And then, does them, number two, to listen and do. Whoever listens to the words of Jesus, listens them and does them, is like a wise man who built his home on the foundation of rock. And if you go to Luke, Luke looks at it differently. Luke says, built on a foundation. Look at this now. Let me first explain this. We're going to open this up. It's big. Whoever listens to these words of Jesus, the gospel of the Lord, right? And then does them. Two different things. It makes you understand that listening, sitting here and listening to the words of Jesus is one thing. But it's not sufficient enough. There must be now the execution, the doing of the words of Jesus. Because whoever listens to those words and does them, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storm came, the streams rose, the winds picked, and everything, the house was unshaken. But whoever sits here and listens to the words of Jesus and does not do them, it's like a foolish man that built on the foundation of sand. Now he introduces something so key about the character of the wise virgins. Right? He says that the wise virgins were essentially the church in that parable, and they are now the church that both listens to the words of Jesus and does them. In that way, that church has laid her foundation on the rock. Now listen to this now. The building of the house and the foundation is on the rock is essentially the building of your life. And many times, if you go into any church and you see a congregation like this, everyone looks the same. But sometimes you're not even aware because all Christians look the same as they're sitting there. And he's saying one thing. All people look the same in the church. And you'll never know the foundation on which their salvation is built until a storm comes by. And I'm going to read for you further on where he says that when the storm, we're going to read, when the storm comes, Many times you watch on TV, right? You see that a tsunami has swept a place, but one building remains standing. Isn't it? The whole place devastated, but one building. You always, wow, that building. And sometimes you would want to be tempted to ask the owner of the building, what is your secret? How did you build this one? So when you go and interrogate and ask the owner of that building, tell me one secret. How did you build this house? That a storm came and you remained 
Only your building remained. He said, oh, for me, yeah. when I moved in here in 1972, all I did, I went to the city council, the authorities, and asked for the building code. And when they gave it to me, I just followed the building what? Code. So it's a serious rebuke unto corruption in the church. Because he's saying, listen again, let me repeat on this side. He's saying that whoever listens to these words of Jesus and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the foundation of rock. And whoever listens and does not build the foundation on sand. So that means he's telling us that the gospel of Jesus, the way he designed it, is such that the gospel gives instruction, right? You can listen to it. When you listen to the gospel, but there is instruction for doing, for duty, that is required of you. And there are many things that the gospel says you should do. So he's talking about the doers now, those who will do. He's saying the foundation that you are laying is the doing. He says further on, that the listening and doing, eh? that the foundation is the doing. And he says, the gospel of Jesus, when he spoken to the church, it was meant to move the church to do, not to be quiet. But if you follow everything it says the church should do, when they hear the gospel, or the people, the world, I'm calling the world the church, all men, when you summarize all the things the church is supposed to do when they listen to that gospel, that to do, that duty is called to repent. So, so, so we are beginning to understand the wise virgins. Come, that was a repentant church. Yes. So he's saying, the Bible talks about wise versus foolish people. Under that Matthew 7, 24, 28, right? We are now number one. The Bible talks about the wise versus foolish people. B, the foolish people built their houses on the foundation of sand. C, the wise, however, built their houses upon the foundation of rock. <laughs> so, again, another thing I said, D or whichever, I said, when one looks at all buildings in town, they look the same. All houses look the same. People work there. You can go and enter there. I've never heard you stand at the gate asking the watchman, tell me one thing. On which foundation was this thing built? <laughs> because I want to enter up here. But before I enter, you must tell me on which foundation it was built. No, never. That's what I meant by everything looks the same. But the true test of the foundation is when the storm comes. So the storm is the one that verifies the foundation upon which your life is built. But when you look at the Bible, look at this now. When you follow the Bible, which we're going to read now, you'll hear him saying that when the storm came, he never says, if the storm comes. If the storm came. No, he said when. Meaning, in this Christian life, the storm is assured. The storm must come. It is coming. So can we read that scripture? Matthew 7, 24 to 28. Are you ready now? He says, again, I'm reading Matthew 7, 24, 28. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew. Those are real features of a storm, eh? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind picked up blue and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not put them into practice. He is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, and the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Do you understand? Hearing the words of Jesus, A, and B, doing the words of Jesus. Those are two things. But let's look at some scriptures here, what it says about the gospel of Jesus. And then James chapter 1, verses 21-22. Hallelujah. He says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And then he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James is asserting that the gospel Jesus brought us demands those two things. Demands the listening and the doing. Can I give you more of those scriptures? The book of Luke chapter 11 verses 27-28. Luke 11, 27-28. It says, As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the words of God and obey it. The gospel of Jesus demands that. Romans 2, 12 to 13. Just write because of time, precious people. Romans 2, 12 to 13. 1 John 3, 7. 1 John 2, 17. Revelation 2, 5. John 14.23 Again, James chapter 1 verses 21-22 Luke 11.27-28 Romans 2.12-13 1 John 3.7 1 John 2.17 Revelation 2.5 John 14.23 Can we move on now? Now, the wise builder. I want to look at Luke chapter 6. We are still moving on under the same. Luke chapter 6, verses 46-49. Are you ready? Chapter 6, 46-49, right? Can I read this now? Are you ready? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. Is that you people here? This house has been built on the rock, on the foundation of rock. Listening and doing. And then he says, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Now Luke doesn't say foundation of sand. Luke says no foundation. I'm going to explain why. You understand? The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So you have to understand one thing. Focus on me for a moment. Just help me because of time, precious people. He's talking about, in Matthew, the foundation of rock, the foundation of sand. Now listen to this now. And then in Luke now, you talk about the foundation, laying a foundation on the rock, the other no foundation. But if you look at the church today, you still see the other church building 
their house on the foundation of sand. Because essentially Luke now brings a new thing into the picture. Luke says, either foundation or not. Meaning, when you build the church on the foundation of Jesus, meaning the words, hearing the words of Jesus, and doing, the doing, which means this whole scripture now raises for us another message from the wise virgins. It tells us that the wise virgins were essentially obedient to the word. The key word there that is being exalted here is obedience. The hearing and obeying and doing. And he's saying, they essentially then, for that matter, built their salvation on the foundation of obedience. You hear and you do. But listen to this now. Luke says, now Luke we have read says, foundation or no foundation. The other one is rock or sand. But if you look at people today in the church, there are churches you still see building their foundation on the prosperity of this world. They are building their foundation on the wealth of their fathers, the property of land they have where, the children go abroad, whatever. There are those families there, those churches also, busy laying their foundation on the things of this world. Even sometimes on philosophy of this world. You see the churches of Lavington, their pastors, whatever. They're still like that. They're doing that. And sometimes you wonder, wow, are they aware the Messiah is coming? But the issue is, he's saying, all these other things, if you build your life on them, your salvation on them, they are actually no foundation at all. That is essentially the summary. This prosperity gospel, whatever it is they do. They are no foundation at all. But... Whoever builds on the foundation of obedience, you say, that is the foundation of rock. Because if the gospel says, be holy, then please, not tomorrow, but today you be holy. If you were this congregation, and inside there are so many people, more than half, who are living with women without being wives. So sometimes you are preaching this kind of message in the evening, and they are supposed to leave, go back home. And they tell them, no, don't go back home. Oh, yes. Listen and obey. Find a friend, stay there. And tomorrow go remove your things. They say, I cannot anymore come here. Listening and obeying. Did you think the obeying is for tomorrow? No, it's now. <laughs> because they come also sometimes. Look, um, I'm staying with the men. Now what should I do? So don't go there then. Go to your friends and then tomorrow pick your things out. They say, no, no, I'm not born again. And if they want marriage, go to church, repent, counseling. There's a whole story there. Listening and doing, obeying. The storm must always come. That's one of the points. So that means you'd rather build your foundation right. It's not that the storm will never, sometimes does not come. No, must always come. Even the day of the coming of the Messiah is a storm in itself. And that's the day we will verify. That day we will know, right? I don't want to be there to verify that, right? <laughs> you say. The storm must always come. Jesus uses the phrase, when the storm comes. And not if the storm comes. Implying that the storm must always come. I just mentioned that already, right? The storm must always come. Are we together now? Tribulation, trials, and judgment must come to mankind. That is the constitution of this storm. Can we move on? They are coming to mankind. They are coming soon, right? 
This scripture is a stark warning, a stern warning, a stern warning that these painful events are indeed coming and it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time and they'll be here. Hallelujah. Can we move on now? And he says, when the Lord says, and put them in practice, I talked about listen and put them, didn't you? When the Lord says, and put them in practice, he essentially implied that obedience to his words, obedience to his sayings, is a must in this Christian salvation. Did you understand me right? When the Lord said, listen and put them into practice, when you take just that quote, put them into practice, the Lord was essentially meaning that obedience to his words, obeying his words, is a must in this religion of the cross we are in. In this salvation here, there is no option about it. There is no choice. You must listen and obey. If you don't, there is no option. You see now, the wise virgins obeyed. But there is something more I need to say in front here. He says, there is a rebuke now. By saying that alone, am I not rebuking? There is a rebuke because he is now asking, then what is this that the churches all around you are doing? They seem to be preaching another gospel that says, you can listen, but when you look at their lives, it's not consistent with that word. So they are only telling them you can listen, but obeying is optional. That's essentially the message you get from there, right? The Lord used this now in this parable to rebuke the church you see today around you. Where they are simply preaching, but when you look at the dressing of women, the discourse in the, in the youth church, the immorality of youth church. By the way, these days they have Christian nightclubs in Nairobi. It's a big shock, right? Hey, but Nairobi is really such a city, Sodom and Gomorrah. I fear for Nairobi sometimes. Did you understand me? They even have Christian discourse and they is okay. So, they seem to be preaching, but when you follow up the implementation, you find that they have not emphasized on implementing. So, this then becomes a rebuke to the current church and asks them, what gospel then are you preaching? Because I can see you are building a church, a population of only listeners, hearers of the word, and not doing the word. So the foundation is sand. How can you do that? How can you build a whole community of worshippers whom you know will be swept out? So it's a rebuke. So he says, many Christians today, they end up partaking of false, deceptive teachings that seem to imply that one can accept Jesus as their Savior, but does not have to obey Him. They seem to be preaching a gospel that says one can accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but not obey Him. Can I go to another point? They also seem to say that you can accept Jesus as your Savior, but to fully submit yourself under the Lordship of Jesus. That one depends on you. If you want, you can. If you not, whatever. They say it's not that much binding now when it comes to implementing. This failure to obey the words of Jesus essentially amounts to a gross insubordination in the church. This failure to obey, to practice the words of Jesus, amounts to gross insubordination to Jesus. In other words, refusing to submit one's life under the full lordship of Jesus. That's what the church has done. You can write it the way you want, right? Hebrews 12, 14, 
is a true testimony that upon hearing the words of Jesus, we must put them, implement them in our lives, into our lives. Obedience to Christ Jesus is the very foundation of Christian salvation. Did you understand the way now he has brought it forward? Listen again, look at this now. He says, hearing the word and doing. He says there are two different what? things. And he says, for you to enter depends on how you have been able to blend the two. He says, if you just hear and don't do, you are going to hell, the foolish virgins. But he says, look, hearing and doing, look at this, hearing and doing are connected down here under the foundation of what? Obedience. Obedience is the foundation of the Christian salvation you have. That's what I'm talking about. I can just draw that off-head model that says hearing, doing, but connected, resting on one foundation, both of them. Connected by obedience. Can we move on now? Obeying. The importance of obeying the words of Christ. Sometimes you hear people as though they are saying in the other churches that we are living in the dispensation of the grace. Which is true. But you hear as though they are saying in this dispensation just faith. When you have faith, then it's okay. It doesn't matter obedience now. Just faith. But I disagree. Because now we have seen that obedience is at the center of this grace, right? Of the gospel of Jesus. So that's what I want to talk about here. As we are continuing. This scripture rubbishes the notion that faith in Jesus alone is sufficient for one to be saved. This scripture annuls, it brings to an end that argument that I'd said that having faith in Jesus alone is sufficient. And yet now we have seen that obedience is sitting at the very center of this dispensation of the grace. Hearing the words of Jesus and doing. Therefore, the wise virgins constitute the church that listened to the teachings of Jesus and eventually obeyed those teachings and yielded forth fruit. But now listen to this. I said, because when you read further on, really, there's a, can I read uh, John chapter 7, 17? Yes, just once, because there's something I want to bring to you that the wise virgins did, even as we're running over time. John 7, 17, he says this. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teachings come from God or whether I speak on my own. Now, that scripture, John 7, 17, now in, this, in the build-up of this hearing and doing, right? He saying, that scripture further emphasizes that only through the doing of the words of Jesus does a Christian believer become able to distinguish. Hallelujah. Because he said, if you do the will of God, what this scripture says, what my words say, then you'll be able to know whether my teachings really come from God the Father or I'm just talking. So essentially he's saying that this hearing and doing, the doing of the words of Jesus is what gives the Christian believer the capacity to distinguish between truth and lies. Did you understand? I had to bring in John 7, 17, which is key emphasis on what the wise virgins did. He's saying, Jesus himself said, if you hear and do these things, if you do the will of the Father that I'm telling you here, eh, then he says, you are then able to distinguish whether my teachings, if you practice, meaning if you come in and start doing with me, then you are able to see that I've come from the Father and not from the world. Meaning, it is by doing the will of God 
that the church will get the capacity to distinguish between the falsehood of the world and truth. You see that? And then you understand that the foolish virgins must have bought into the deception of the day. They must have not done the will, obeyed and done the will of God, and so they were palpable. They were found vulnerable. And so they were not able to distinguish. But you see out there in the church, there's the foolish church, right? Isn't it out there? You see them, they're following other teachings. And they say, hey, why are you following? No, we can, we, how do I know? Me, I did not know. How did you fail to know? You must know. Why must you know? You must know because by doing, you are able to understand what really belongs to the Lord and not. That's what he's trying to say here. He's saying, eh, between the truth from the lies, Man's teachings from God's teachings. This is what the wise virgins employed to evade the deception of this day. Which means the, that church is still around today. Now there is no way they can even deceive you, right? Christ is therefore affirming to the present day church that they must repent from sin. That is now the listening and doing. You see now it turned around and became a call to repentance, right? Hallelujah. The Lord is saying, it is this doing of the gospel's instruction to repent that makes the true followers of Christ, like the wise virgins, even reach sanctification for heaven. Just like the wise virgins become sanctified even unto heaven. Christ is laid as the foundation of our salvation, and hence the wise virgins laid Christ as the foundation of their lives. Anything else is sand. Did you understand that part? Christ is laid as the foundation of our salvation and anything else is sand. The storm is coming. Another point. And each person shall be tested by that storm. <laughs> and the true foundation of their salvation will on that day be revealed. If all of you sitting here have really laid your foundation on the rock, soon we will see, the storm will verify that. Hallelujah. That day when the storm comes, then we shall verify who was really built on the rock. <laughs> and the foundation of their salvation will be verified. That's what I've said. The foundation of sand is prosperity. It's also the outward professing of Jesus. Oh, yes, do you know Jesus? Oh, I love him so much. Okay, that day we'll see if you really love Jesus, right? The hypocrisy, you see, and name it. Can I finish with these things now? Write the following scriptures on obedience. Matthew 12, 50. John 13, 17. John 14, 15. John 14, 21, 24. John 15, 9. Romans 2, 6 to 7. Hebrews 5, 8 to 9. And so forth, right? Read it for yourself. You enter first and then you help them to enter, right? But I want to, can you allow me a very sensitive thing right now, right? Because if you look at the way the Lord Jesus operated here in this parable of the wise virgins, this is what you note. You note that essentially Jesus took one church with him and judged, condemned the other church. You understand? So I want to look at some of the people Jesus has condemned. 
So listen to this now. That when we look at the people Jesus has ever condemned, we may understand the things they did, which became the things the foolish virgins did, or they are still doing today because the prophecy is yet to be fulfilled, right? So that we may not do them. Do you understand the importance of looking at the other side? Okay, let me repeat this. You see that in this parable, the Lord Jesus essentially condemns one group to hell and death, eternal death, and one group he takes to heaven. And then that drew my attention to want to know, then who are the people Jesus condemns? So I went through the entire Bible. Then I wanted to know, what are the things I should tell this church that they may never do? So they are not condemned, right? So let us look at the people Jesus condemned. And of course your number one there becomes the foolish virgins. But then number two is the verification of the real events, the mechanism, how it happened, right? Are we right? The people Jesus condemned or condemns, right? Number one, the foolish virgins. But now the mechanism, the downstream. Number two is Matthew chapter 11. In fact, really number one under that, number A or one should really be the Matthew 11 verses 23 to 24. Matthew 11, 23 to 24. And he says, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up in the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Another version of Amplified, he says, 23, And you, Capernaum, are you to be lifted up to heaven? You shall be brought down to, to Hades, the region of the dead. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have continued until today. Did you understand the people Jesus condemns? And I think that's a very sensitive thing. And that's why I wanted to share this tonight before we close down. Because he's saying that Capernaum, and remember Capernaum may have seen two or three blind, or maybe one, I don't know, and two cripples, or one, or the other, or demon possessed, I don't know. But there were a few miracles. Compared to what you have seen. And he's saying that because Capernaum saw those miracles and she did not implement to hear the gospel the miracles were preaching to her. And she did not do hearing and doing. Meaning, when you see miracles in the meetings, there is a responsibility that's automatically bestowed on you. Meaning, the miracles that you've been watching in this ministry have been essentially ministering to you. And Capernaum saw the miracles, and they were few really. Very few compared to now. And then Capernaum failed to repent and observe a revival. Now the Lord is amazing. He condemns Capernaum to death to the heads. And he says that Sodom and Gomorrah are holier than Capernaum. He's, again, he, listen to this. Capernaum saw the miracles of Jesus. In fact, when you go to Capernaum, I think that there is that uh, pillar that's built at the gate, written, the city of Jesus. The city of Jesus, Capernaum. And Capernaum, because she saw the miracles, and she rubbished it like nothing. And I think that is where this church is almost going to be charged as guilty as charged, if I'm not mistaken, if we are not careful. If we are not going to be careful on this one here. You are going to be guilty as charged. If you're not going to be careful on this. Because Capernaum saw the miracles. Fewer, much fewer than what you saw. 
and fail to implement and still blackmail the messenger Christ and they fail to go ahead and repent meaning the miracles are ministering they always ministered to us and they failed to observe the revival then he turns around and says because Capernaum did that he says now Sodom and Gomorrah are holier than Capernaum ah! is that not an awakening in this ministry I wish God were listening. But now only you are listening. He is now saying that Sodom and Gomorrah are holier than Capernaum because she saw the miracles. He said, if Sodom had sinned, they would have repented in ashes and sackcloth and the revival would be going on until today. Could it be true that some of you saw the miracles and went back to sexual sin? You are preaching and still lusting at women in your churches. You are lasting at that man who put a good seed. They say, uh, uh, he touched his stomach like this. Well, uh, I think I'll buy uh, 50 chairs. Huh? He went and lasted at that man. Oh, you lasted at that woman. Huh? And your wife is saying, please, please, we are past. Sometimes the way she dresses and walks in front of you, what? You understand? Could it be true that you people watched one million times the miracles of Capernaum? including HIV and the cloud. Cloud did not come down on Capernaum. Excuse me. And then you went back. You're still lasting. You're still fooling around there with, with the little girls when they come from holidays, from whatever. Huh? And the wife is complaining every time. You say, no, 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 please, no. Don't do that. Something tells my heart this is wrong. Could that be true? Then that would be a problem. That, that, that would hurt. According to what I've just read, that one, that, that one would hurt seriously. That is where this church is found in a sensitive place now. Capernaum may have seen two or three, or one creeper walked or two, but here several, we cannot reach them. Excuse me. Excuse me. Could it be that you saw these things and you went back to complacency, to life as usual, Lasting at girls as usual, walking in the church. Normally before Sunday you have to go buy new shoes. I need to buy shoes. I say, uh, holiness, uh, holiness is something we love. Is that what you're doing there? Corruption, is that true? Huh? Tell me. Kapenaum saw maybe one. You saw hundreds of cripples now. I don't know whether there are thousands. Could it be true that you saw all these things, including HIV, and the cloud came down, and you saw him going, command heaven like this, and rain came down, and you still went back to sin? You still lied. Did you understand? I want to teach you this. The people Jesus condemns. Did you understand this? So some Dachunga. The people that Jesus condemns, the people he takes to hell. At a man came with a tumor on the head, drilled 12 inch and you saw and then he undrilled it with the pliers by himself and now he's okay no more the head that used to fall on the back and fall on the chest and he picks it with his hand put it back excuse me could it be that you saw that and you went back to sin uh -uh, uh -uh. that's the day you realize this prophet was standing alone with the lord but we were fasting together. fasting together excuse me there is a problem on this one because I thought I should touch on the people Jesus condemns. So you may understand what the foolish virgins may have done. And by the way, they are still alive today. Did you understand? There is a problem. 
On this one there is a problem. Can I go to the second type of people Jesus judges? Revelation chapter 3 verse 15. So this part is important, right? Very. The most important actually. That from tomorrow is when you will start work. Could it be true? Because Capernaum saw and did not evangelize it. And then he condemned. It is written in the eternal word of God. He condemned her to the hates, to the dominion of the dead, to hell. Could it be true you did so? You did not take a projector to university. Could it be true you didn't give the DVDs to your fellow surgeons? Huh? Could it be true, the vice chancellors, you did not call for a seminar and show people, ah, people, look at this DVD, or give them. Could it be true? Then there is a problem. Then there is a serious problem. Because he said, because of that, and Kapenaum saw only two or three, but because of that, he said, Sodom and Gomorrah is therefore holier, holier than Kapenaum, holier. In fact, Sodom and Gomorrah, which is the most evil city ever built on earth, he says now became holy altar. If you compare to what Capernaum saw and did not do. So Sodom and Gomorrah is now, according to the Lord, is holy altar. Ah, is that not a problem? So tomorrow work begins, right? But Revelation 3.15 to what? To 17. That's the second group Jesus judges. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Did you see another people that Jesus judges, condemns? Those when, today, you are like this. You are hot. Tomorrow cold, so you are lukewarm. He says, I'll spit you. Even human beings, even just humans, when we spit on the soil, you can never go and retrieve with your tongue what you've spat. So how much more when God spits the church? Or spits somebody? Did you understand this now? To spit it. He said, I'll spit you. Lukewarmness. They're Christians, but they're in the world. He said, lukewarm. He said, I'll spit you. Even the man, man alone, when you spit, you cannot collect it back with your tongue. Did you understand the people Jesus condemns? That today you are hot in this gospel, and tomorrow you are a lawyer, you are busy flirting around with men lawyers in the corridors of justice. Or with a client, a client looks well-dressed, and whatever, there is kind of a lasting situation going there. Hey! Excuse me, will you survive the knife? And today you want God, tomorrow you don't want God. And now you've seen a rich client, you are a lawyer. Now, oh, yeah, you're also now trying to play into. Huh? And you know this man is lasting at me. You can just shut this door because God is going to cut you. Huh? These things are happening. The third group that Jesus condemns, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Another type that Jesus condemns. Matthew 12, 31, 32. Right? Are we together? Oh, yes. Isn't this important? Mm -hmm. 31, 32, he says, And so I tell you, every sin, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. 
but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. That is deadly. Did you understand the people Jesus condemns? And for you people, you are in a dangerous spot. Do you know why you are at a dangerous spot? Because, look at this now, when he sends the prophet, normally sends the prophet of God Almighty, the Father, serving Christ Jesus. Did you understand? That's why the relationship with the Father is very close. Very, very close like this. That's why he speaks to him, he answers him right there. Again, let me repeat this. For you people, you are at a very sensitive, a tricky place. Because he sends the prophet of God the Father. He is prophets. That's what they say, prophets of God. The prophet of God. And for you, he sent the mighty prophet of God. Listen to this now. But, serving Christ. That's why the instruction comes from God the Father. That's why he's so close. That's why he comes and slashes, settles the cloud on him. Now, when he does that, the most immediate thing you note, he draws the person of the Holy Spirit very, very tight and close to that prophet like this for the mission. Such that sometimes you wonder, because he walks, because sometimes I used to ask, I asked him, I know who he's saying. Because when I heard the voice, sometimes it was the Holy Spirit that came and spoke, sometimes the Father himself. So, but the thing is, you see that when he just walks into the stadium, cripples get up like this, get up, get up, get blind eyes opened. Listen to this. And right away you can see, eh, eh, eh. Which means he literally walked in with God into the stadium. Which means when he walked in, he literally walked in with God himself. My goodness. He draws the person of the Holy Spirit very, very close to the prophet for the mission. But you realize the instruction is this one from him, direct. Even he hears his voice, constant. But he draws the Holy Spirit too close to the prophet, such that everything the prophet is doing is happening, is happening, is happening, is happening, is happening. He says it's happening, commands it to being. Even column of leg is added. Then God the Father himself tells him, before he goes to that meeting in Finland, tells him, <laughs> he laughs, he says, <laughs> that's a creation of God. He didn't say miracle of creation. He said, that's a creation of God. And then he walks into the meeting like this, he prays for a short while, he says, prayer is over. He said, prayer is over. In Kenya, I don't pray. He said, now receive your healings. And column is added. Then you realize that, hey, if you are wise, if you have a little wisdom left, you understand, hey, I think this guy is walking with the Lord, eh? Very tight. And I think the Holy Spirit must be really on this guy. So that means you cannot blaspheme this guy. That means you cannot touch this guy. It will hurt you. He said, in this age and the other age. That's why you see things have happened in the ministry. Have you noted? Bad. In this age and the age to come. That means you cannot touch. You cannot touch. He will judge you now and he's waiting for you at the end also. You cannot touch. Did you understand me? Be mature when you are here. You don't need to even to be wise. You just see, he enters the meeting like this and things happen right there. Huh? He says, hey, come here, this guy walked with the Lord in there. Huh? Then you know, I cannot touch. That's where you people have a problem. 
If you knew you touch, bas, mambo ya mesemeka wanapale. You said in this age I don't forgive you, even the other will not. The same God that judges you now is the only way to judge you at the end. Let us be mature people. Again, the fourth one I said, yes, the fourth one, the people Jesus condemns, Matthew 13, verses 40 to 43. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will weed out, out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin. All who do evil. And all who do evil. Then he says, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will be, they will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And then he says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father who has ears let him hear did you understand that all those who do evil jesus will condemn them he has condemned them already oh yes unless they repent but all those who do evil he condemns in fact they come and mix like wheat like the foolish virgins they try to mix with a good wheat but at the end, still he removes them out. And burn them out. Did you? Did you understand the people Jesus condemned? Leave sin. Leave evil. Hallelujah. Matthew 13, 49 also. I don't know what he says. Let me say what he, see what he says first. This It will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. You see that? And 50 on, he goes on. Can we move on? Now, I want to give a summary. What major lessons do we learn from this parable of Jesus when he talked about the kingdom of heaven? is like ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. What are the major lessons as we summarize now to finish? The gospel of Jesus has been done full course, full, full length. What lessons does that parable propel into the church? The first one says, remember when I said you prepare a place, there's going to be a visit tomorrow, people from State House are coming. You're told, people from State House are coming to the Bible study tomorrow. I said, okay, we have Pastor, please swing into action, right? She swings into action, what, everything. Then as she's about to dismiss her people, the work is done, someone comes, oh, no, 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 I've been told, actually it's the president himself who is coming tomorrow for the Bible study. I said, hey, the president is coming. Well, then dismantle everything. Let us begin to prepare afresh. So this parable, when the Lord brought it, it, it is an awakening. Or number one becomes, the lesson is, it's an awakening because it cleans up the air. It's an awakening to the church because it cleans up the air and clearly establishes to the church what it means to be prepared for the coming of the Messiah. It cleans up the confusion that you have been seeing in the church. Everybody thinks they are ready. And then now it affirms one position and says, now this is what it means to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Yeah, It makes people just go and start preparing afresh. Because it sets up the new standard. Number two says this. Now that you have known about the life of the wise virgins, how they sustained their practice of worship until they entered. So number two says, it also teaches the Christian believer 
how to live their lives until Christ returns. Meaning, after you've known how to prepare and started preparing and prepared, now how to sustain that until you enter. It also teaches the Christian believers how to live their lives of salvation until the Messiah returns. Number three, can I move on now? Lord, please help me a little bit. Give me some oil. No, no, I want to enter. Say, I rebuke you, get out of here. There is that conversation. Listen to this now. Number three. Number three says, this parable clearly teaches a lesson <laughs> that every Christian believer is solely and squarely responsible for their spiritual condition. The foolish virgin fooled around, they paid for it. It also tells the lesson that every person should jealously safeguard and carefully, sparingly use everything the Lord has entrusted them with. It also teaches the lesson that every person should jealously safeguard, protect, and sparingly use, sparingly use everything the Lord has entrusted them with. And then under that now, A becomes life. The fact that God has entrusted you with life today, you have to jealously guard it and sparingly use for His glory. How have He used His life today? The life He gave you, it is His life. Life. Number two, salvation. If God has privileged you and given you salvation, some people born in Islamic countries, they don't even know Jesus died for their sins. But for you and a place where you have gotten to know. And he has made sure that today you are awake and you are alive. And you are aware that Jesus died. And he gave you that salvation today. How have you used it? Jealously guarded it. And sparingly used it. For God's glory. Number three, the word. If God has given you the word today. How are you going to jealously protect it and sparingly use it? Number four. Number four is saying. Oil, the oil. If God has entrusted you the oil, you must jealously safeguard and sparingly use. And it goes on and on, right? Even family, right? Whatever it is God has given you, right? Your job sometimes is also most of it is from God, right? It also teaches the stunned lesson, the shocking lesson, that if the wise virgins had made the grave mistake of sharing their oil, they would have seen a tragedy they would have missed entry into the kingdom of God. <laughs> so, it's warning about the dangers of plunder, right? It teaches that the lamps are the faith of the believers. So the Holy Spirit fuels that faith, right? It teaches that the lamps are the faith of the believers. It also teaches that just as the foolish virgins, look, look, welcome to decay into their lives by themselves, so has the present fallen church welcome decay unto herself. So there you go now. Nobody forced the, the devil can never come and force you. Never ever. He doesn't have that power. Another lesson he teaches, it also teaches the lesson that decay, however small, always leads to hell. 
it further teaches that falling asleep at this last hour is tragic. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he's talking about verse 13 being for you. Because verse 13 saying, uh -uh, you because of these things said above, you just prepare. Because you don't know when he comes, day or hour. But now he's standing around and saying that there is a lesson there. So he's warning you against falling asleep because we are at the verge of eternity. We are sitting at the verge of eternity. Any moment we just go into eternity, right? You, 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 this is the place you have found where now you want to fall asleep, right? For you, this is where you want to fall asleep now, eh? This is why I'm saying no. You cannot do that. It teaches that you can never fall asleep on this moment now. Because whether the wise and foolish fell asleep, but there was that verse 13 that said, you don't be like this. You understand? Never. You, something would be wrong. You understand? That falling asleep, if you do, falling asleep at this last hour will be the classical, true, top-notch definition of enjoying a false peace. <laughs> it also teaches that the wise virgins always pursued their daily supply of fresh oil in order to have the courage to face each day. So that is what he meant that teaches us how to now live that prepared life until he comes. Keep it. Some days require higher, right? So they always sought their daily supply of fresh oil to face the day. Just on his coming, Revelation 1.13, he is called the Son of Man. Revelation 1.17, his name is the first and the last. Revelation 1.18, he is the living one. Revelation 2.18 the Son of God. Because you need to know who is coming so that you can dismantle the things you had prepared and call the events companies and start preparing afresh. Revelation 3.14 is the faithful and true witness. Revelation 5.5 5 is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I've always said sometimes I wonder whether you people know who is coming. Let me give this example here. One time I was so upset, I was really very upset. And then in that pain and agony, at night I cried alone in the bedroom. I cried and fell down and cried. And then I went to sleep. That night, the Lord himself appeared in the room. He himself. He himself. But the glory that hit the room, you take the sun and put times a thousand, or whatever, it was unbelievable. But he stood by the side of the bed. All that he left was the flaming eyes and a little bit of the outline of the hair. And then by voice he said, Fight on! Fight! That night he came himself. He didn't send anybody. He didn't speak from there. He came. So I'm just looking at that scenario where I could not even look towards where he was. Does the church know who is coming? Precious people, if you know that you want to receive the Lord, or if you want to renew your salvation with the Lord, repeat with me this prayer. Say, precious Jesus of Nazareth, I have heard about your coming. and holiness and I surrender to you today 
and give up my life to you and ask you to have your way in me to order my steps and forgive my sin establish your word in my life and fill me with the holy spirit and give me no choice but to follow you precious jesus on this night i cross over and take you to be my lord and my eternal savior please in the mighty name of jesus tonight i am born again in the mighty name of jesus amen with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.